Hey, again, glad you're with us. Kids, we have been talking to the grown-ups about a sermon series called How to Deal. Learning about how to deal with difficult things in life, right? Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about how to deal with dry seasons. We talked about how to deal with failure. Uh, a few, two weeks ago, we, we learned how to deal with success, right? We learned how to deal with success a few weeks ago. And, and today, we're going to talk about something else. But I want to tell a story before we get to that. As a kid, I loved spring and summer. I love, I'm not a very big fan of cold weather. That's probably why I live here in Asia now. But uh, I, I loved spring and summer because that meant one thing for me. And as Americans, you know how, like, our religion is sports. And so for me, my religion, my main sport as a kid was baseball. So baseball's always played in the spring and summer. So I couldn't wait for every spring and summer to arrive. And, and truth be told, I think now that I'm, I'm older, I can look back. The main reason I loved baseball was because it was kind of that one thing that me and my dad could connect with, right? My dad loves baseball. In fact, just this week we were talking on, on we, we were messaging each other because my alma mater almost won the championship in baseball, in college baseball, and we, that kind of still connects us today. But, but I remember really clearly the first home run I ever hit as a kid. I was uh, eight years old. And I, I, I remember hitting the ball, watching it fly out of the park, and getting as excited as an eight-year-old would, and starting to run to first base. And my dad had his usual spot just beside first base, leaning on the fence. That's where I knew he would always be to watch me play. And as I remember, as clear today as an almost 40-year-old, coming in on birthday week, a 40-year-old, um, seeing through my jumping up and down, exciting, running to first base, this grown man standing outside the dugout of an eight-year-old baseball team's dugout and the fence, jumping as high. I swear my dad could probably jump as, over the fence. He was so excited that day. And I remember thinking to myself as I was running around the rest of the bases, you know what? There's no other dad in this park that is as proud of his son at this moment as my dad is of me. And it affected me because I saw... In my moment of success, and my celebration of my own success, and my first ever home run, somebody celebrating even more than me. And that affects me, and it still affects me today. And I've told him this story. He listens to our podcast, so it's not like this is going to surprise him, right? But um, today, we're going to talk about that specific thing. It's it's this, how to deal with other people's success. Right? We talked about how to deal with success in your own life. Right, God wants you to be a success. God wants you to succeed in life. God wants to bless you and give you amazing, great things. But how we handle it sets the table for more or less. Right? We talked about that two weeks ago. If you don't remember it or you weren't here, you can listen to our podcast. Okay? Um, but... How do we deal with other people's success is what we're going to talk about today. How do you deal, how do you respond when that other person gets the promotion rather than you? How do you deal with someone else's blessing in your life? Whenever you prayed and you asked and you wanted that particular thing and God blessed them instead of you, how do you deal with their success? 
Because I think sometimes God gives us a window into someone else's success, someone else's blessing to reveal things in us that maybe we didn't know were there or wouldn't have known were there had the blessing come to us, had the promotion come to you, had the, the raise come to you, had the, the bid for that new flat come to you, right? Because a lot of times you, the, the first reaction you have whenever that person gets the success instead of you and you see them celebrating is a very unfiltered view of your spiritual condition. And if you feel a moment of joy or you feel a moment of, of just what? They got that instead of me. That reveals a lot to us about, about where we are. And also what it does, too, is what I'm learning more and more as a grown-up is how I respond to someone else's blessing, someone else's success, oftentimes determines whether or not I will receive that blessing or that success in the future. Right? So... How do we respond to it? How, how does the Bible tell us we are to respond to other people's success? And, you know, sometimes the Bible is a little bit vague in different subjects of life. It's, it leaves it open to interpretation, right? But there's some subjects where God knows that we can struggle with, so he makes it almost stupid clear about how you're supposed to deal with this particular instance. And, and I think... how. How we respond to other people's success in life is, is one of those instances, one of those occurrences, one of those circumstances in life that God makes it very abundantly clear. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. We're going to be in Romans 12 a couple times today. We'll circle back to it later, but we're going to start... In Romans 12, 15. And this is a verse we talk about usually whenever we, we bring up the subject of walking through life with people when they are in a, a hard or a dark season, or whenever they're struggling, right? But we oftentimes focus on the second half of this verse and not the first verse, of the first part of this verse, right? Where Paul is writing this letter, he says this, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's, uh, sometimes we, we, we dig deep in, into Scripture, and sometimes Scripture just smacks us across the face with its simplicity, right? How we are to deal with other people's success in life is we are to be joyful for the things that God blesses other people with. We are to be happy with people who God has given things to but so often we want to focus on the weep with those who weep. And I think we do a pretty good job of that sometimes as, as a church. I think we do a good job of, of, of focusing in on hurting with people who hurt. But whenever it comes to rejoicing with other people who rejoice, we tend to struggle with that, right? We tend to say, yeah, way to go. You got that and I didn't. Right? I'm reminded very clearly of a few of... of, of in a, in a different season in life, I was applying for a job at a church, and another friend of mine was applying for a job at a church. And without me, him even knowing, he asked me if I would be his reference, right? We were applying for the same position, right? And he got the job, and I didn't. And I got, thought, wow, I guess I gave him that good of a reference, right? But my first reaction when he received that promotion instead of me was, what? 
And, and God used that to reveal things about me that I needed to change. And that he showed me I wasn't ready for that promotion. Right? So what, what the Bible tells us to do, and sometimes it's easier said than done, is this. is to find joy in other people's success. How we are to deal with other people's success is to find joy in their success. And that's that, that's that subject of joy that is very interesting. This is something that's very connected to the heart of God. In fact, joy is at the heart of God's plan for humanity. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for all human beings. It's what gives us strength, right? We're going to look at a verse later on in, 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 in Nehemiah where we talk about the joy of the Lord being our strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 talks about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is a very, very interesting subject because the subject of joy, the, 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 the characteristic of joy is that it is not contingent upon circumstances. Happiness is contingent upon circumstances, right? I go get in the lift to go up to my flat. Nobody else gets in the lift with me. I get a little, like, few moments of just solitariness in this city, and I'm happy. That circumstance of aloneness and not having to share a lift with somebody makes me a little bit, like, happy. But it's a circumstance, right? But it's the subject of joy that, that is not contingent upon our circumstances in life. Joy is what drives us through circumstances in life. It's not necessarily the fuel that pushes us through, but it wants to be the engine that drives us. And joy is something that God wants to give to all of us in this world. In fact, Joy is honestly what God wants to use as the motivating factor for our life. If you have your Bible, again, look, just flip back maybe a page or two to the beginning of Hebrews 12. Right? The beginning of Hebrews 12, um, we've, we've kind of preached, we've kind of circled back to this over the past, I don't know, a couple months it seems. But, but we've hit it on a, on a couple of different issues. But today it's, it, we're looking at joy, right? And so if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, where we pick up at the very beginning of Hebrews 12 is that Paul in Hebrews chapter 11 had just talked about these heroes of the faith that every good, good believer at the time would know. And it talks about guys like Abraham and Noah and Moses and, and all these heroes of Scripture and how by faith they lived their life and God was pleased with them. And so that's where we pick up in Hebrews 12. It says this, Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore... Since we, since you and I and all of us today are surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That sounds great. How, that sounds hard, though, doesn't it? Sounds hard to get rid of sin in your life. Sounds hard to not get tripped up by things that have been designed to trip you up. So what in the world could motivate you? What in the world could make you want to do that? He lays it out for us in verse 2. We do this. Here's how we do this. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. And then this is Jesus' motivation to be that. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, joy is God's currency. Joy is what God wants to pay us with one day in eternity. Joy was the the paycheck that Jesus worked for to endure the work of the cross. And Jesus doesn't get one type of joy, and you and I get one type of joy from God. God wants to give you the same joy as a motivator to celebrate with people. The same type of joy that motivated Jesus to endure the cross. God wants to give to you when you can celebrate other people's success. When you can live a triumphant, successful life. When you can celebrate the blessings that other people find in this life. And again, that's one of the things that's, that's a little more easily said than done. And usually, the closer relationship the people have with you the tougher it is sometimes to celebrate the thing that they got that you really wanted as well, right? But it's, it's in those moments that we have to lean into and find the joy in other people's success. We have to find that joy. So what is joy, right? And you, you think about in, in John chapter, what is it, John 11, it talks about how the, our joy could be complete, Right? What is this, this joy? And I think what I realized throughout my, my time of, of following Jesus and him um, speaking to me just and studying this subject is that there's, there's four things I think I've learned from, from, from this particular passage and just studying joy leading up to today. Number one, God's joy is us. God's joy is you. It says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The only reason Jesus endured the cross is because of the joy of reconciliation with you. Reconciliation means to be made right again, right? That joy of unbroken fellowship with you. He's found his pearl of great price and value. You know, other, other scriptures reflect that, jo- that his joy is in us. You think of Isaiah 65, 19, where it says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, my people. You think of Luke 17, 15. It says, I tell you the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repeat, repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or even in Zephaniah chapter 3, where he says, He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So his joy is us. Second thing, his joy is the fruit of loving righteousness and hating wickedness. Jesus' joy is the fruit of loving righteousness and hating wickedness. You see, his joy was the fruit of his passion for what is right and this hatred of what is wicked. And we can see that. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness over your fellows. The third thing we see in joy is his joy came from his desire to please the Father 
from abiding in him. That's where that, his currency is. His joy, Jesus' joy, came from his desire to please the Father and from abiding in the Father. You see, his joy came from his desire to please his dad. John chapter 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Jesus wants to give you his joy. As you can see, his, he wants his joy to be in us, to make our joy full or complete. Number four, his joy came from watching the Father at work. Jesus' joy came from watching the Father at work. Isaiah, 50, Isaiah 55 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so in, in, in how Jesus rejoices in watching his Father at work, even when sometimes it doesn't make sense to you and to me. So how is it that we, how are, how are ways that, that we can practice this, right? What are some ways we can put finding joy in other people's successes or finding joy in other people's successes? What are, what are ways that we can do that? I think there's three ways that we can find joy in that. Number one, we celebrate, and we celebrate special days in people's lives, right? I'm thinking like birthdays, anniversaries, promotions, graduations, etc., right? And, and here's the thing. Like it, God, celebrations are such a key part of what God wants you to experience in this life. He set that up for us. Just the fact that, that, that we have a yearly calendar that circle, circulates, right? It's like God has created cycles and seasons and patterns so that you can experience these special days that he has designated. And so in order for you to, to be able to become better at celebrating other successes, you have to practice, just like anything else in life. If you want to be good at something, you've got to practice. Like, I didn't hit my home run in baseball the first time I picked up a bat. Truth be told, the first time I ever picked up a baseball bat, I held it the wrong way. But I had to practice. I had to, to, to spend time practicing at it to get better. And it's the same way with celebrating other people's success. We got to do it in order to perfect it, right? So how do you do it? You celebrate their special days. In Leviticus 23, we discover that God commanded his people to celebrate seven different festivals each year. Right? So you know what? Judaism gets a lot of things right, doesn't it? I mean, I would love to have seven big holidays a year, right? We look at these different holidays and all of them are from a had a historical, a religious, and as we know, kind of a prophetic significance pointing to when Christ would fulfill them all. And there were also days when God called his people to celebrate the blessings of other people. Because when we celebrate the success of others, it sets the table for the blessing God wants to give to you in the future. And you look at these different feasts. If you're interested in it, you can study in Leviticus chapter 23. But he tells his people, there are going to be special days throughout your year that I want you to celebrate 
the days that I gave success and blessing to your ancestors, to the people who went before you, because if we want to, to be a people that are less self-focused, which I hope that all of us do, I hope that, that, that your chief goal in life is to not just look at how everything affects you, but to see what's happening in the world around you. If we want to be a people who are less self-focused, then that means we've got to focus on other people. If you want to be less self-focused, you've got to focus on other people. And celebrating these special days helps that be accomplished, right? So he celebrates these, these special days. And, and he even talks at length about it, about what will happen. That's where we see in Nehemiah chapter 8, right? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says this, And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. And then I've added the emphasis here. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rich foods and sweet drinks. That sounds like my type of day, you know? A feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. I want to be a part of that. But these, these festivals, these feasts, these celebrations that, that God describes in Leviticus and here in Nehemiah are not just kind of like a, you know, a, a kid's afternoon birthday party where you go, you don't really want to be there, you eat a piece of cake, and then you go home. These are like day-long, week-long festivals. I think the closest that we get in today's world is kind of Chinese New Year, where it's a week of celebration, Right? Some of you may not feel like Chinese New Year is a celebration, especially the married people who have to give out the Lycee. Single people still think it's great. But anyways, it's, 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 a, it's a process. It's an overarching process. And oftentimes, oftentimes we, we tend to think that we're only pleasing God in the solemn moments, right? We think God is pleased with us when we say the blessing before the meal, then he probably loses interest whenever we're laughing and sharing the food together. And, and, and I tend to kind of have the, the opposite feeling about that. I think that God takes great pleasure in the, in the riotous happiness that happens whenever people share experiences together. I think whenever me and my kids go on a roller coaster at Disney together, and scream whenever it's finished because we survived it, you know? That, that, that joy in sharing that experience together gives God great joy. But we tend to only think that maybe our solemnness are what pleases God. When I think that God wanted, wants us to experience and gets probably sometimes greater joy out of seeing us enjoy the meal rather than thank Him for the food, Right? So we celebrate people and then find joy in other people's success on the special days. The next one is this. Every day. Right? See, another man who was in prison wrote these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See, Jesus told his apostles that his aim 
was that they should be filled with joy, but not just any type of joy either. John 15, 11 describes it this way when Jesus says, I have said these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, the problem with people according to Jesus is not that we are too happy for God's taste, but usually it's that we are not happy enough. If Jesus came so that we, our joy could be complete, that means without Him, our joy is incomplete. Lewis Smedes wrote, To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. Joy is a command. Joy is a command. And that means that joylessness is a sin. Have you ever thought of it that way? In the times of your life where you can't find any type of joy in your life, where you focus on joylessness, that means you are actually in disobedience. Maybe you never thought of it that way, but, but, but that means that there are a lot of Christians people in this world who are sinning all the time, right? And I'm glad it's not true here at New Heights. I have to say, I'm so glad that we're, we, I'm, I get to be a part of, and my family gets to be a part of a church that's full of joyful, happy people. I have to tell you, it's very easy to preach to this room. Because when I look out at all of your faces, none of you look like you just ate a lemon, okay? I've, I've preached to a lot of churches where it looks like they, they snuck some lemon juice in the coffee. You know what I mean by that? Just the soured up face, joylessness face. I've, I've seen that in a lot of churches. So I'm thankful that what you got, what we as a church do well, what you do well is you bring joy into every room you come into. So don't ever stop doing that. Don't ever stop bringing joy into the room. But you have to wonder how much damage the sin of joylessness has caused in God's church. How often have people misunderstood God because the Christians they knew are all grim, judgmental, defensive, bitter, and miserable? That, that does not sound like a club I want to be a part of, does it? Would you want to be a part of a club where nobody's happy, everybody's telling everybody what's wrong, everybody's disagreeing about things? I've seen churches almost split over a logo redesign, right? Not really John 10.10, is it? Life to the fullest. But as Christians, we have every reason for joy. No matter what is going on in our lives, you have every reason for joy. So what is it that steals your joy? I'll tell you right now, from, I've noticed from my situation, from my life, the biggest joy stealers in my life are hurry and worry. Hurry and worry. In fact, that especially when I'm driving, Hurry and worry are what steal my joy. Anytime I need to, to, to get somewhere in a hurry, there's inevitably going to be a traffic jam, right? It's that age-old theological rule of you never lose your keys when you're running ahead of schedule, right? You never, you never lose your keys. You never hit the traffic jam whenever you've got plenty of time. And the MTR never breaks down when you're ahead of schedule, Right? It's, the, it's those things of when I start to try to hurry through life and when I start to worry about things in life, whatever it is that I'm hurrying about or worrying about are the things that usually tend to suck a lot of the joy out of my life. I don't think I'm the only one who has that dilemma either. 
And so what, what God is asking us to do is to find that joy and to celebrate that joy in the special days and in every day. And it may not be that you get to celebrate something happening good in your life every day. Let's, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you from this stage and say that in Jesus, every day will be the best day of your life. No, some days are cruddy days. Some days it rains. Some days you forget your wallet. Some days you break your phone. But maybe we, if we stop focusing on our circumstances and start looking out around us, you'll see the good things happening in people. And that's when you can celebrate the joy happening in there every day. Right? So those are the two. And then the third thing, the third day that God wants us to find and celebrate success in other people. Today. The special days, every day, and today. And you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about something happening today without bringing up Psalm 118. Right? Psalm 118, 24 says, Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So often we think that, that joy is something that's sometimes just around the corner. Right? If I can just make it to my next holiday, then things will be great. And I'll be on a beach with my spouse, and I won't have to think about my job, and I'll have sand between my toes, and life will be great. If I can just make it to where I'm 35, then my career will be established. If I can just make it to where I, f I get a master's degree. If I can just, if I can just, it's almost as if like joy is, the, is, is something that's just on the horizon that you have to reach for and, 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 and prescribe to when that's not the case at all. God wants us to rejoice in today. There's joy for you to be found in and celebrate today. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when you retire, right? And we talked about that before. And it's, it's about what can we find today that God has blessed you with that you can rejoice with? What in somebody's life around you is there that you can rejoice with? Like we were saying in worship, maybe just the fact that you are breathing and here and living is something that you can find some joy in today. That means, hey, can I tell you something? If you are breathing and your heart is beating, that means God is not through with you. God still has a purpose for you. God still has a plan for you. That means God still has his best days for you ahead of you. And he's not giving up on you. Isn't that something to rejoice over? Even though he had every right to walk away from this relationship, even though we were in breach of contract through sin, he reached out. And for the joy of connecting you two again, he endured the cross. Folks, that's, something, that's, that's grounds for the greatest celebration of all time.
greatest celebration. Most of us, again, we, we think that, that joy will be whenever our conditions or circumstances will change. But that's not the case. The truth is that if you're going to know joy and experience joy, it starts today. If you want to know and experience true joy, it starts today, right now. And oftentimes, it begins with celebrating the good that is happening in someone's life other than yours. So, what is something that is good happening in someone's life around you today that you can be the one jumping and celebrating even more than them. To bring it back to the beginning of the story, who in your life has just hit their first home run? And you can be the dad that's celebrating louder than they are. Let's pray. God, this is not something that's easy or natural to do. It's not something that comes naturally to us. It's only something that comes from leaning on and activating that joy that is found in you. I pray that, God, you would help us to find joy in the special days, in the everyday, and today. God, we would, we would learn to look out of just our individual sphere and see the goodness that you are producing and that you are doing and blessing the people in our life in an everyday basis. Help us to celebrate that because that's what families do. Families celebrate victories together. Families celebrate success together. If one wins, we all win. If one is blessed, we're all blessed. And according to your word, we're all part of one family of God. We've all been adopted in Christ into the family of God. So help us to lean in and activate that complete joy in our life. Even when we don't want to. Even when we think circumstances determine say we, d we deserve different. Maybe the joy that we can celebrate is that God has a plan better than mine. So God, we pray that that, that we, could, we could be a people who celebrate other people's victories well. that be what we are known as, God. May we be known as a people of joy. That the world around us may say, you know what, I'm not really sure about their God, but man, those people are just happy. And they know how to celebrate. Because I think every time we celebrate here on earth, it also prepares us for the celebration that is to come in eternity.
for the joy and the banquet that is to come. Thank you. And God, as we, as a church, we celebrate communion together today. And you remind us of the great sacrifice that Jesus paid for the joy set before him and what he endured on our behalf and disregarding its shame. He put himself there in our place so that we could be connected with him again. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the first Sunday of the month, and as our tradition is in the